Well, I'm pleased to have with me another guest. Uh, I really was introduced to this guest back around the early 90s when I got a copy. Really, I kind of borrowed it and I still have it from my friend, but it was the Heaven's Metal <laughs> Magazine uh, video collection one, and this guy was featured on there. And he goes by XL, but he's also Mr. Todd Stevens. Mr. Todd Stevens, yeah. XL. It's good uh, to be here. You. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that always stuck with me when I watched that video, uh, your segment, and I started listening to your stuff. I don't remember how I had a copy of it, but I, I remember getting a copy of it. Uh, uh, it was was Sodom in America, the, the the album at the time, right? That's right. Yep, that's that's the debut album. So what? Uh, kind of going back a little before that, I know you are a multi instrumental and singing and has it been something where you're just easily you could pick up something and you you just you can play you could sing or did you take lessons what did you gravitate to yeah you know i was uh blessed with with an ear and a love for music since i was a little kid i mean since i was five years old i was born into a family uh six people that were all musicians and i was the youngest so <clears throat> I can remember about five years old back then I had a little record player with back when they had 45s, a little 45 record players you could carry around. And I used to carry my little record player around and I'd sit down somewhere and throw some records on and listen. And by that time, there was already a drum set in my house. There's guitars, piano. My dad played the saxophone. My other brother played the trumpet. Um, and I just started picking stuff up and I, you know, pretty much was self self-taught. Um, Every now and then there'd be someone that would come over that was better than me, like some of my older brother's friends or um, older sister's friends that would say, hey, here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. And I would just soak it all in. And, you know, by the time I was 13 years old, I was proficient. I could play all the stuff I'm playing right now when I was 13. Oh, really? I just, uh, you know, my parents didn't know what to do with my talent. I mean, what I mean by that is like they didn't like say, oh, we need to send this this kid to Hollywood or something, because yeah. you know, at that time I was indeed a prodigy. You know, I, I, you know I'm not now because I'm an old man, but <laughs> you know, when I was 12, 13 years old, you know, I used to I used to get gigs with the older bands or older older people in bands, and we go play like UCR the barn, playing the college shows and stuff, and they they'd be able to get me in. It's like, well, he's in the band, you know, because I'm 13 right. years old playing in bars, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, where did you where did you grow up at? Uh, Riverside, California, and for those who don't know, that's about 40 miles east of L.A. County. Okay. Um, but it's the Inland Empire by San Bernardino, Ontario Airport. It's about 20 minutes away from the Ontario Airport. Um, Riverside is a pretty good spot. Everything was an hour away. You can get to the desert in an hour. You can get to L.A. You know, in an hour. You can get to the mountains in an hour. You can get to... Uh, lakes and rivers the ocean in an hour yeah. <coughs> excuse me so, so you're talking like, about you're talking about those 45s you were listening to what what music were you inspired by and listening to at that time oh uh, man i was inspired by everything my it was kind of strange how it worked because my oldest brother was heavy into rock and roll so you know kiss became my favorite band when i was a kid i'm you know seven seven eight years old i had the kiss dolls i had everything <laughs> kiss but, you know, he was listening to Led Zeppelin, Judas Priest, Nazareth, you know, 
rock and roll. So I got my influence from rock that way. And my older sister was listening to bands like um, the Carpenters, you know, the mm-hmm. Bee Gees. The uh, heavy stuff. Barbara Streisand, Barry Manilow, you know. That's kind of what she was into. And uh, so I, I I heard that. You know, my parents were in the old gospel, um, the Hawkins family, you know, stuff like black gospel, southern gospel. So I heard that. And then my other brother, my next older brother, was strictly funk and soul, like R&B and funk, you know, Parliament and, and uh, uh, Funkadelic and stuff like that. That's what he listened to. So I was getting a big sphere of influence of music. Um, I gravitated towards rock at, at that time. I think rock has always remained my favorite, but I like all kinds of music probably because of that. And um, But yeah, I always, I always wanted to rock out, man. I, <laughs> and uh, it's funny because before Sodom in America came out, uh, I had a record deal with Brainstorm Records, who, who I did that album with, but I was signed as a hip-hop artist. I was supposed to put out a rap album. Because that's who I was hanging around with. I sang uh, Soldiers for Christ, Soup the Kimness, Freedom of Soul, uh, Dynamic Twins, Idol King, um, all the whole West Coast Christian hip hop scene. That's that's what I came up in. And that's how I met a lot of people. I met Crystal Lewis through that. I met uh, actually met the Crucified through them as well, because the yeah. Crucified started kind of hanging out with some of the, the hip hop crews. Uh, Mark at that time was in the hip hop. In fact, he, he put out. Uh, a rap effort at that time uh, called Native Son. I like but how anyway, you say effort. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I, you know, I like. I don't it. remember that one. I, 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 don't I liked it. I thought I thought Mark did a great job, but you know, I think he caught a lot of flack for it too, because I don't know. I guess maybe people who didn't want him to try to venture off anything but the punk metal stuff that they were doing. Right. But at any rate, you know, it, it was it was good. I don't think he likes it either. Now I think he thinks it was a big <laughs> mistake, but I, I always at least he that. tried. At least you tried, you know, and I, I, I did a few shows with him, too. I, did, I played Cornerstone with him as well. And then uh, the, what was it? the Not the Sunshine Fest. Uh, I can't believe, I, I can't remember what it was called. There's a big festival up in the mountains in California with a bunch of bands. Anyway, I, I played with him there for that. Played drums on it. Anyway, so back to the story here. Yes. I had the whole album done, about 18 songs I was going to put out of you know, hip hop. It was going to be produced by Soup, Soup the Chemist from SFC. And um, uh, I had been experimenting. I I always made rock songs. I had rock songs just sitting in my shelves, you know. And so one of my metal songs, I decided one day, let me just, let me put some rap to it, you know. That one my brother said to said, you know, you need to quit using these beats. You need to rap over some live music, you know. So, I did. I put a couple songs out um, that was the metal, the metal rap stuff. And then somebody says, well, you need to show this to Gene Eugene. Gene Eugene was the, uh, I think, the vice president of Brainstorm at that time from Adam again. And so I did. You know, I was like, we were hanging out in the studio. I said, here, check this out, man. It's something I did. And he listened to it. And he's like, let's do this. He's like, you got more of these songs? I go, yeah, I got I already got a whole album of these songs. He's like, this, that's what we're doing. <laughs> and like we're already like i said we were getting ready to go into, into the studio to record this other album so we didn't have to do a whole bunch of pre-production or anything because i already had the songs and it was just instead of recording this it's like now we're recording this and 
and it, it kind of just blew everyone's mind. Like all of a sudden, like what, what the heck's Todd doing? You know, what's he doing? You know, all my hip hop crew f- friends were like, what, what the heck are you doing? You know, cause there was, there was, there was nothing like that in, in the Christian scene. At no, that there time. wasn't. There was, that was, that was new and really the secular scene in a way. I mean, it was getting, right. It was, it, it was, was just being released into the secular scene. Now, not like that. That hadn't been, I mean, you have rap groups that, added rock to their like run dmc did some stuff you know or you know there's there's collaborations of rap bands and metal bands but there hadn't really been a band that came out that that's what they did like a, a live band that had a rapper up front mm-hmm. of course rage against the machine their album came out five months before mine which to which i was very disappointed <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize that <clears throat> i was in the studio recording and my brother had came home. He was in college, so he came to visit. And he's like, "Hey, you heard these guys?" And I was like, "Oh, because <laughs> you don't want people thinking you're copycat." Right, right. You know, it's like, and dang, they're good. But you know, Solomon America got picked up by Epic Records, so Brainstorm had a deal with uh, Word. I don't know one of these those two labels. Uh, Brainstorm was a subsidiary of Word, so one of them had a deal with Epic, and Epic had the the uh, option to select certain artists from their label and so i was one of the artists that got picked up by them and they they put out a certain amount of my records and you know stamped their name on it which is obviously that's pretty cool when you're dealing with the secular crowd and you know having to do the whole what do you sound like or you know who are you with it's like well you know epic put it out you know and um that's the same label that rage against the machine was was on oh really so, you know, Epic signs Rage Against the Machine, and then five months later, they, they pick up my album, too, you know. And um, so I thought that was pretty cool and everything. But On your album, uh, with uh, you being able to play all the instruments, did, did you play a majority of the instruments, or did you have musicians come in and actually play those, play uh, each song? And How did that yeah. work out? I played the majority of the instruments. I played drums on the whole album. Um I played rhythm guitar on every song. I played I played the rhythms, um, and then there was this, there was guests on each, you know several of the songs like uh, uh, <clears throat> neighborhood friend that I grew up with Doug Shumway. He played the bass on it. One of the guys I was in one of my first bands with Sean Garuli. Sean Garuli co-wrote a couple of the songs I think, and uh, he also played some rhythms on it. And I had a lot of the you know the 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 metal the metal Christian metal guys come in and rip solos on it. Was, was Jimmy Brown? Jimmy Brown was all there. Jimmy Brown played, I think, like four guitar solos on it. Um, at that time, Michael Phillips, who was in Deliverance, played on it. Um, Greg Lawless from Adam Again. Greg Veneer from The Crucified was on it. Jeez, I hope I don't forget anybody. <laughs> Did they have Freedom well, coming in there to kind of come up with, you just said, hey, do your thing? With yeah, with just solos and stuff. Like, hey, show up. And, and you know what was so cool about recording that record is that I think it, it, it created a buzz in that area, you know, Southern Cal, Huntington Beach, Costa Mesa area. And, and a lot of people were just showing up to my sessions and I didn't even care. I mean, I had a lot of people in my sessions just kind of checking out, like, what is this, you know? And so some of the rappers would be there. And I, and so in each of my songs had these these massive gang vocals on them. And people be in the studio. I'd be like, "Hey, get in the go, get in the vocal booth. You're gonna, you're on the song, you know." And, and they do, you know, "Brother to the Saboteur" or whatever song was up. Like, hey, you get in there, you're, you're in the background, you know. And uh, and then 
we'd have artists show up and I was like, hey, you want to play a solo, get in there and play a solo, you know? And it kind of went like that. And Jimmy Brown hung around the most because I used his rig. I used his gear to. Oh, really? To That's interesting. Yeah, his guitar, his 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 rig, and um. What was he playing? What was that at at that time? What was he playing? It was, a, it was a '72 Gibson Explorer, if I remember correctly, a 1972. Yeah, sounds Gibson about Explorer. right. And he had uh, the Mesa Boogie set you set up, and he had he dialed in this this sick tone. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, some of the guitar tones on that album are just man. He's the he's the guy that did that. And um, so, yeah, he was hanging around a lot. Uh, you see, I used the drum set from the guy from the Violet Burning. I don't remember who the drummer's name at that time, but I used his drum set. And uh, yeah, basically just, you know, Gene Eugene is a genius. Well, I was a genius. <laughs> that's his soul. But uh, he, he just kind of put the thing together. He, he heard my songs and he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. This and this, that. And man, he just... I was putting them played stuff and you know very supportive that's that's nice to have yeah it, it was it was you know it was really cool it was uh um i think it was a good idea that i had just the liberty to like let anyone be on the record you know i think that helped it because then right. it was able to bleed into different markets you know there's rappers on it metal people on it you know and I think in a way it helped to kind of bridge a gap that was there in the Christian scene, at least for some it did, you know, mm -hmm. because there wasn't a lot of hip hop artists hanging out with metal artists at that time. It just wasn't really happening. You know, and around that time, then, you know, a lot of my hip hop friends, we were going to go, we'd go hang out, see the crucified play, you know, we'd go to deliverance shows and die happy. We'd, you know, we'd be showing up and I think vice versa it would start to happen, you know, um, I remember one time we played this place called Club Post Nuclear and uh, Soup the Chemist from SFC and a couple other cats. We we got up and we did a song with the Crucified. We did uh, his song Hoods of Good, which actually loops um, Hate World from the Crucified. But we got up there and played it live. And so it was kind of, you know, it was it was starting to bridge the gap with some things there at that time. When the when the album comes out, uh, well, let, let me go back, actually. Uh, how did you get hooked up, as I mentioned earlier, with Heaven's Metal magazine, the video? How did they uh, approach you about that? How, how did that whole thing come about? That was because I was on tour of the Crucified. Okay. And yeah, um, I think last minute when they're going to go on the road, this is at the end of 92. So my album hadn't even come out yet. It was it released in April of 93. So and I think this was like. Uh, I know it was actually 93. It was the beginning of 93 that we're out on the road. And I went out with Mortal, Crucified, and Applehead. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, just last minute, Mark's like, hey, you want to go on the road with us? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll go on the road. And I didn't really have a role to play. I was just went on the road with them. But the next thing you know, like, uh, uh, they, they agreed to do a couple of my songs. So in the set, and now XL DVD was in the set, but it was the Crucified that was my band. Huh. And they they went in the when we were finally ready to do some songs, they they went in the back room. We picked two songs, picked the debut of the uh Sodom in America and Sifting with the Sickle. And we just talked through them behind stage one night when we were gonna go out and do it, and we just talked it through. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he went out there and just did it. And man, today, best band that played my stuff was those guys. And we didn't even practice it, you know. But, you know, they were tight together. So that, you know, we got out there and did it. It was first time, it was the, the best time performing Sodom in America because Crucify was playing it and Mark's doing his part, you know. And I think people were just blown away. They're like, what the heck? What is this? You know? And so I can't remember where we were. I think we were in Texas. But Doug Van Pelt showed up to film the Crucified show. And then I'm I'm there. So next, you know, I got a spot on that Heaven's Metal. Wow. Uh, that was that's a classic Heaven's Metal one. It's got Striper on the front. And, right. That, I mean, that was the reason I was drawn to it. I'm a huge Striper fan. So seeing Striper, that was towards the end of their first run. Right, and right. we got to open up for them in 2018, so that was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. And I'll kind of jump ahead with Striper because you have recently worked with Oz Fox a little bit. Correct. Right? On, yeah. on, is that yeah. kind of your newer stuff? Uh, you've had yeah, is that how that connection happened, or was it something well, else? Well, the connection happened because back in '92, when Striper had just broke up after the uh, Against the Law album and all that. Um, there was a pop artist, <clears throat> I don't know if he'd like being called pop, R&B, I don't know what he calls himself, but Chucky Perez, and I used to hang out with Chucky Perez, he hung around the same hip-hop crew that I was hanging around with, and so Chucky was doing a song, and, uh, Oz Fox was gonna be playing guitar on it, so he, he already knew Oz Fox, or some, somebody knew him, whatever, and I got called on to play the bass, because Tim Gaines was supposed to play on it, but Tim couldn't show up. So they called me. So next thing you know, I'm spending all day long in, in the studio with Oz Fox. And it's just like, wow, dude. You know, I got sparkles in my eyes. Like, <laughs> you know, Striper, wow. And just, you know, he was just way cool. And um, so years later, I got in touch with him. Told the story, hey, you know, I was in the studio with you back. It was in San Bernardino. And was, do you remember me? He's like, yeah, man, I remember you. And then. So that's how we became FB friends. And uh, just, you know, every now and then I'd chime in on his stuff. And we we never really, like, had any long conversation or anything besides that day. But when my album came out in 2016, I was in the studio and I was with my producer, Matt McEwen, who is a he's done my last five records. And he's like, man, it would be so killer if we can get Oz Fox on this. And I was like, well, let me ask him. And so I, I get on. And I, I asked him, and I mean, within within ten minutes, Oz Fox was was set to be on the record. So we're like driving around convenience store, and you know, the next I was like, "Yep, he's going to be on it." And Mass is like, "He's like, you're kidding me." I'm like, "No, dude, he, he says he'll be on, he'll be on it." That's awesome. And then so you know, we sent him the stuff, and he put it down. And so then I asked him again. Um, that was on Offensive Truth. They came out in 2016. And he's on a song called uh, uh, "Best Friend, Worst Enemy." Is that Volume One or Two? That uh, that's on Volume One. Yeah. He's on the. It's the third song. He's on that one. And then for this latest album, the latest XLDBD album, "Beginning of Closure," he's also on the third song. That one too. It's uh, ah. called. Uh, what's that song called? Dang it. The end justifies the means. So, okay. Yeah. It, he's solo on that one too. So. So, I mean, how, how is that when he comes in? Just uh, kind of the same thing as before with other artists. Hey, you do your thing. Uh, here's the song, you know, kind of be yeah, creative. Yeah, just send the track. It's like, 
do what you do, man. You know, and send me the send me the tracks. Because you know now everybody can record. Yeah, you can. You know, most, the files. So you I don't have to see anybody in person anymore. Check this out. This is kind of cool about this le- the latest song. We hadn't went into the studio yet. The first album I already had the studio recording, so I sent him the actual studio recording. This time I didn't I hadn't gone to the studio and it was such a tight squeeze. I did the album in in a week. I think we recorded it in five days because it was just that was the window of time I had. So I actually sent him a demo that I had made back in 2006 on a on a portable 24 track, you know, just poor quality. But I said, here, here's the tempo, here's the song, here's the key, you know, give me a solo. And so he he soloed off of this Ricky Nink recording sent me the tracks and then I built the song, you know, around to around the solo or basically it it, it, it was all hopeful that it would just fit in it, right. it, you know. So he was kind of the foundation of this uh, in a way. Yeah, well, it was definitely going to have to be built around his solo cuz I wanted yeah. to have his, his him on it, you know. But it, it was perfect. It was in the right key, the right tempo and everything, so it was a really easy plug in. Um and and this one he did he kind of used a, a different tone. I'm not familiar to hearing them. you know striper has their tone but on this song he used like kind of a, a different rock tone which was kind of cool you know because it's uh kind of a i mean it's it's hard rock it's rock but it's in a way different genre than what striper's putting out to the same time too or you know so i yeah so, I, always, I always like that well uh go back to sodom in america uh honestly uh, uh i i remember i i didn't really hear much from you, uh, you know, this is before really internet's blowing up, so you can really keep up with, with artists and things like that. Unless you're reading Heaven's Metal magazine or something. So, uh, what what kind of happens after that? Because, you know, <laughs> well, I, I, you really didn't have much going on from what what it appears. No, uh, but I didn't. Did you know, what's I, going on? I, I could probably play how many count how many shows I played on a couple of sets of hands, and that's about it. Um, well, what in a nutshell, what happened was I got married. I chose to get to get married, and <clears throat> excuse me, because of doing that. Prior to that, I was music was my life. I mean, I played show. I was doing shows every weekend. I was, you know, but then of course getting married, then it's like that to hunker down and get a job. And yeah, um, yeah be a supportive husband. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was kind of it was, you know, I mean, you can't help falling in love. I fell in love and. And it's like, okay, I got married. As far as like a business move, career move, that was probably a horrible move for my career. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, hey, it's like it, it was what it was. And then then I started slowly just trying to be able to play shows when I could. And it was kind of hard to get get a lift. It's like that was the window of opportunity, 1993, 1994, and I didn't put anything out in 94. Didn't, you know, I didn't put anything out for like eight years or something like that. So, yeah, you know, in hindsight, it's like, wow, a whole lot of coulda, shouldas, you know, I was in a good spot. I mean, my album came out before P.O.D.'s first album came out, you know, and if I just would have played shows and hooked up with some of these cats that even played, because I didn't really have a band. I had to make a band. I had, it was always just like a, XL and DVD was kind of like a studio mu- musician band, you know, it's like. It was me and then whoever I had guesting on songs, you know, so I never really had like a set band. That was also an issue because when it came time to try to 
who is XL and DBD? It's like, well, geez, it's like these 15 <laughs> musicians. Yeah, whoever <laughs> like, I could get to show up. Yeah, it's, you know, that's who it is, you know? And then they got to be good enough to, to play this stuff, you know? Because, I mean, I knew what I wanted. I played exactly what I wanted, and people would get in there and play, you know? Uh, I had moved away, so the bass player who would have always played, um, Doug Shumway, it just it wasn't convenient because he's in California, and I moved I had moved to Iowa. Okay. And um, so yeah, it it uh, I don't know, it ended up being just like a oh my gosh, who are these guys? This is so dang good. Oh my gosh, where'd they go? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I just didn't yeah. hear anything after. Uh, from the, that album so and i understand where you're coming from because a lot of us and then there. you know the album that i put out in, in 2016 was really what it was is it was all the songs that i had written to go on the next album so a lot of those songs are they're older but it's like this is the album you would have got in 94 where it would have probably been received more like oh wow you know it would have been perfect for that time for a good debut album but you know 2016 you rap core was already played out yeah. <laughs> you know but it's like this is what i got to put out this is what i this is who i am this is what i've done you know I, i'm one of the original rap core artists i can put out a rap core album you know um and not be like oh my gosh you're trying to sound like limp biscuit and you hear that stuff like it's like no limp biscuit came out about five years after me actually yeah. or whatever it was you know um so yeah that's kind of it's kind of how the cookie crumbled so i guess you so you got married and and uh you kind of just you kind of had to take be responsible shortly after that album and, and uh and then, and then moving to iowa was another kind of yeah, you're, you're pretty things. far away from all your musician friends and everything right, and so you know uh Prior to moving permanently to Iowa, uh, there was a run. One year, we had a good year. 2000 or 1995 to 96 was a pretty good year. And actually, uh, Brian J. from the band Keel. I don't know if you're familiar with Keel, Ron Keel. Yeah, Ron Keel. Oh, uh, yeah, I've been listening to him lately, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their lead guitarist, Brian J., joined my band for, for about really? a year. Really? That's yeah. crazy. So he was an XLDVD for a year. And we started playing a lot of shows then, you know playing a handful of stuff you know we opened up for la guns and played club circuits and different stuff like that for a while and that was a good year it looked like things were going to maybe take off but then that's when then i moved okay. and then it was just solitude again for uh a few years and then i got together with my brothers all lived in iowa my two brothers which for the next decade would be XL DVD. They were in the band. Um, and we, we played a lot of shows in Iowa. You know, we started doing some stuff and, uh, you know, gained a reputation around Iowa, but we didn't put out any records. We, we put out an album in 2002 called Live from Nineveh that was supposed to come out on a label. And then the label dropped the ball on us after we gave them the record. We put out about a thousand copies and put it up on Bandcamp. So that was basically our second album. Okay. That I just, you know, it's it's got great material. I don't like how it came out, so I don't really ever promote it. But it's out there. If people will go look at it, they can find it. 
I wasn't really happy with, with uh, anything we put out until 2016 with the Offensive Truth Volume 1 and 2. I, I like how that came out. It's, it's Did you good. produce that? Your, uh, starting yeah. from that album, is that, is that uh, kind of your production and things like that? or? Yeah, I mean, you going I to co-produced a, a studio? with Matt, Matt, McKeon, uh, Matt McKeon from Sound Mind Studios in Daytona Beach, Florida. Now, how that happened was Matt found me somehow because he was he was a fan of mine back in the days, a little younger than me. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things, I guess, XLDVD was one of the bands to kind of help him stick with God. It, it kind of it was it was a stepping stone band for him. And so when he found me, you know, he was like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, XLDVD. And he's, he's like, yeah, I got my own studio now because I would love to be able to engineer some of your stuff. I'd love to do it. And I was like, well, man, we're going to have to make that happen sometime, you know. So sure enough, and that was like a few years before I came to to put out Offensive Truths Volume 1 and 2. But I I got a hold of him. I was like, hey, man, I'm about to put out a record. Do you you want to be on it? Do you want you want to do it? And at that point, I had just only heard some of the stuff that he'd put out, some of his own music. Because he's great. He's a great musician, and he's got a great ear. And I liked what I heard from the studio. So I was like, you, you know, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so I went out there to record an album. And after I'm like recording these drum tracks one day and and uh, he out of the blue, he's like, hey, man, you should do a double album. And I'm like, OK. He's like, do you have enough material? I go, yeah, I got, I got enough material. I got songs, you know. So we ended up out of the blue just recording 20 drum tracks. And then we. uh in a week's time, I recorded 20 songs, and then I came back a few weeks later and then helped mix them in a week's time. And I think the album sounds fabulous. I think it sounds great. Oh, it's really, it is really good. Uh, did you write new material for it also with the old um, material? I mean, yeah, there was one song I wrote right in the studio, um, <clears throat> but most of them, the majority of the songs were so- older songs. Uh, either from back in the 90s or just up through the 2000s up until that point. Um, and yeah, uh, what was the newer one? Methamphetamine is kind of newer. That one has Rex Carroll on it from White Cross. Yeah. And um, uh, the song, um, what's the song called? He was Because of This, Because of This. And that has Jesse Sprinkle on the drums. I don't know if you remember Jesse Sprinkle. Yeah, yeah. You- talk. I do know, I, I know Jesse, and yeah. uh, we t- I talked about him the other day with Luke Easter because he recorded on the Pop Disaster album that Luke, Luke put out. So, yeah, so he was on that one. Um, and then that, so my, my next album had, I had some drummers on, like Jim Chaffin, Crucified was on one of the songs, and then Jesse Sprinkle. Then I played the rest of the drums on that album, except for my older brother played on a couple of the tracks. Tony, Tony Stevens, who was... Uh, Basically, had become my XLDBD's drummer, you know, live touring drummer, and he played all the drums on our second effort live from Nineveh. And um, but yeah, I went out to Florida and, and recorded the stuff. Kind of, kind of the same situation as Southern America. I did most of the stuff and just had some guests on it, you know. Uh, I was uh, going to ask you before I forget, what was some of the uh, shows that really that you got to play with other bands that really stand out. Uh, you, I mean, you talked about you played with 
Jill's guitarist, so you're open up with, say, L.A. Guns. Yeah, L.A. Guns. You can play was, shows cool like that. Show. But. That was a cool show. Uh, everything else that we played was just with, uh, we played with Dig Jesus, played with, uh, uh, well, Cornerstone was, you know, was a good, that year, your bride was there, Deliverance was there, um, Native Son. Uh, Back in 93. Yeah, 93. That's yeah, there, there was a lot of, lot of good bands. Uh, yeah. That, so that, I was just kind of flipping through YouTube, <clears throat> looking at all Living Sacrifice, Deliverance. Right. Yeah. Living Sacrifice. Now, I, and <laughs> there's a pretty, a, there's an interesting story about Living Sacrifice. Um, when we were on tour with Crucified, we met them in Arkansas and uh, just hooked up with them just to say what's up and all that. And it was Little Rock. And this part of Little Rock that we were in evidently was like not ideal for a black man to be hanging out at. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm at the we're at this convenience store and I'm over at a payphone calling California. And it was kind of off from the store a little bit, you know, it was like a payphone booth. And I'm in it, and this green sedan pulls up, and you know, these these southerners are, you know, with their stick in their mouth and they're long, you know, looking like Duck Dynasty guys, you know. And they and they just start staring me down in the phone booth. I mean, just all four of them just staring at me. And I, I like, hey, uh, I gotta go. I gotta go right now. So I, I hang up, and I just start walking towards the store and over to uh, our RV. And then as I'm walking, this car pulls over to the RV. It, it followed me over there. And <laughs> so I'm telling the crucified, I'm like, hey, these guys, these guys are following me, you know. And so the crucified, they all get out the RV, and you know, you got you got Mark with his bald head and his tail, and you got Jim Chafford with his mohawk, and and you know, Greg Manier's long hair. So these guys get out the car looking like punks, you know. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the, the guys in the van and the green sedan were kind of like, what the heck's going on? What's going on here? You know? uh-huh. like, Do you got him? <laughs> he can help you out, you know. But yeah, they came out and they're like, hey, is, is, there, is there a problem here? Is there a problem? And they just kind of stared at him and didn't say nothing and, you know, and then pulled off. But then just moments later, Living Sacrifice pulls up and we tell them what happened. And they said, yeah, he's not in the right part of town right now at all, you know. Oh, and the, so that was, that, was, that was always kind of an interesting story. But that's what happened when we met up with, with uh, Living Sacrifice. And, and Jason Truby was in uh, with them that time. So that was kind of cool because then later on, I didn't, you know, I didn't know them well, but it was cool to meet them. And then, you know, later, of course, later on, Jason joined POD for a while, and which was kind of cool because I liked POD a lot then. So. Yeah, I've seen the only time I saw POD was actually at Cornerstone. I, I, I don't even remember what year that might have been, 99 mm. or so or whatever. The Cornerstone, I was talking about Cornerstone with uh, Luke the other day because his former band played it plenty of times. and. Uh, did you ever go besides the year you played it? Was that your only time going Just to Cornerstone? Just one time, man. I went in uh, 2004. I went to check it out. And that, that POD played that year. Um, Project 86 was there. Who else did I see? Um, <clears throat> I know. I hung out in that, that rock tent. Yeah. Got to you know, talk to some people. And Doug was there at that show, too. Doug Van Pelt was there. 
Um, that's when I first met uh, Sonny. Now they had a, you know, their merch tent and they had, they were doing autographs. And the line was just stretched all the way around the tent, just along the line. And they had, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that bodyguards and stuff like that, you know. So I was, I had, I got there first because I wanted to talk to Sonny. I really, I was just wondering if they knew who I was. You know, I was just, I wanted to know if they knew who XL DVD was. So I'm walking through the line. You got to move real fast because the, the, their bodyguards or whatever, their, their staff, you know, is hustling people through. So at first I come up to Wub and I see Wub. I'm like, hey, Wub, have you ever heard of XL DVD? And he's like, no, nah, man, no, nah, you know. And I, I, I'm immediately, I'm kind of discouraged already, you know. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like God said not to ask Sonny, you know. And Sonny was next. I was like, I was like, hey, Sonny. He signed. Hey, what's up, man? I said, hey, have you ever heard of XL and DVD? He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, man, yeah. I go, I'm XL. And he stands. He goes, oh, what's up, man? He, just, he smacked my hand, you know. And I was like, ah, dude, that is for me. That is so cool. Feel better now. Cause, you know, because I mean, that that POD was there, man. They they made it. You know, they're already on the second yeah. album with Atlantic. You know. But they were blowing up. They were blowing up back and then. They started in the Christian industry, and he knew who I was, and and I, 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 that was just good for me because, yeah, at that point is is, but at that point in my life, it was almost like a whole lot of what could have happened, what should have happened. You should have made this turn. You should have done this, and you know. Yeah, I I know what you mean. And uh, and just dealing with that, and it's like. Well, it, that kind of edifies you when you when you you're like, yeah. hey, I, I feel like I made an impact. Look, I, this this well-known musician knows who I am. Right, right. You know, oh. and uh, yeah, and and then uh, also, you know, uh, Andrew Schwab, you know, talked to me. And he he's like, hey man, I want to let you know that you know your album was a big influence on me. You know, and it's all cool. You know, in the Christian industry, it's not like the secular industry where everyone's gonna say. Led Zeppelin was a big influence on me. You know, the Beatles were a big influence. It's like in the Christian industry, everyone is having to jockey for position so hard because we don't get the kind of support you're supposed to. It's like, I'm glad you said that to me. But how come you didn't tell the public that XLDVD was an influence of yours in the Christian industry? You know, of course, they're going to say, well, whatever their favorite secular band was, and, right. and, you know, and, and, and not exclusively that. But, it, you know. It's for a long time, and, and God probably just used this for my own pride and like to get me to be a humble Christian and not be a proud guy of like, but I used to wonder like, man, I know every Christian artist that did rap core had to have heard XL and DVD sound because it's talked about in the Christian scene. You're going to mm-hmm. come out doing this. It's like, hey, this these guys are out first, you know, like Ted Kirkley from uh, EDL, uh, Everyday Life. He he was on my record. He was on my album, you know, and he's he's one of those guys in the backgrounds doing stuff. And before he he was uh, he went by MC Colorblind and he was a, a hip hop artist, you know, that I used to do shows with him back in the day and hang out with him and stuff. But it's like. <clears throat> anyway, you know, that, I, that I, I know where you're coming from, because I kind of experienced the same thing you did, except I my band wasn't as popular or anything like you were you know i was back in the day trying to make it we played cornerstone one year uh we had a couple songs played on mtv in the background of music you know background music for television shows and that was what i inspired to do and i got married too young my you know very young my first marriage uh and i always thought because i had to get you know i had to do the same thing i had to get a real job 
I wound up becoming a police officer and did that for 10 years. And, and I just quit playing. I just like all my passion went out and then it, you know, then it did come back later, but you know, I'm 41 now and I'm sitting there going, golly, I, what could have been if I didn't do this or, <laughs> you know, my band, they, they wound up moving to LA for a little while. It didn't work out. They got kind of, uh, big talk by a guy that was a manager, manager in quotation marks, who was big time in them. And, uh, man, I, I know exactly how you feel, except that you, you were at a level beyond where we were at for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I know what you, I know what you're experiencing. I, I definitely feel you. But, you know, it, um, it's funny too, cause in hindsight, I mean, I know a lot of Christian artists <clears throat> that have fallen off the wagon and a lot of it had to do with their success. It's like being successful while not necessarily living correctly, you know, and uh, as, as I look at myself and I look back at my immaturity, then I think big success would have been the downfall of me. Yeah. I, I, looking God, at myself. God knowing, had a plan for you. Yeah. It's like it, it wasn't it wasn't supposed to go down that way or or maybe just it, it unfortunately for me to get a better quality of character was going to take some time that music success would have thwarted and um so it sounds like you really you think about this quite a bit really yeah the the, i i know it's i i I get you sometimes i really think about it too and uh i kind of want to transition though but I, i do want to talk about your you know you look at your song titles and what you sing about and you sing about some heavy stuff, which is good. Uh, what was it? Like, you, you talked about one song, Methamphetamine, with Rex Carroll. But, you know, you got other songs. I was just writing them down. So, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see where I'm at in my notes here. But uh, oh, I know there was one about uh, the father. Uh, basically, I just have a sexual relationship with his a very abusive relationship with the daughter. Daddy, Daddy's too friendly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, it, there's one. Is it called the rapist or rape? Yeah, rapist. Rape? Yeah. Uh, where do these Where do these songs come from? These lyrics. Well, um, uh, those songs are all about uh, girls I've known. Um, situations that a lot of girls I've hung around with. Um. You know, before I became a Christian, I ran the streets of California and I just hung out with some rough neck people, you know, and some of the girls I got to speak to me, <clears throat> um, a lot of them were in a situation where someone in their family was sexually molesting them or um, uh, a handful of girls that were that were raped, you know, and, um, and so I, I just, I wrote songs from that perspective of you know, um, I got tired of listening to Christian songs at that time where every Christian song was a song of hope because it's like in the real world, unfortunately, everything isn't about hope. And, and not everybody who 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 was presented Jesus takes him. You know, and in, in Daddy's Too Friendly, this girl gets offered Jesus. But she's you know, she says, uh. Uh, 
was uh, she thinks about the time she heard that Jesus loved her, but that's a case gone left, friend. She wants the blade instead of him. So, you know, you, a lot of people that they don't want to accept Jesus. They don't want Jesus to help them out. They think that that darkness is their only escape. Now, in, in a situation where you've had someone that's supposed to be your guardian, supposed to be the one protecting you, supposed to be the one showing you how to live, and they're completely distorting your whole view on life on wh what do you do with that? There's so many women that they, they don't make it out of that. They, well, it, you know, and when I was listening to that song, it makes me think they have such a distorted image of a father figure, and then God is supposed to represent a father figure. Right. But unfortunately, their true father, you know, not their true father, but their worldly father, earthly father, has distorted that. And, you know, how how can you get someone to change their view or in the, of, the, you know, the with classic God? mother in this situation where this mother is also controlled by the man to the point to where she knows what's going on with the daughter. But she she's not going to say nothing. And she's busy trying to cover up what dad's doing, too, you know, and, you know. Yeah, that, it's that's not a radio place. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to be a pop hit. No, uh, I kind of, yeah. you know, I want to mention that because your your new stuff is really incredible. It sounds like the old stuff because it basically was what the uh, continuation was supposed to be. So I encourage people. I, I, I kept looking it up. I, I it was funny because I've been trying to find you. And then I, I realized I was looking up Excel. That was it. I couldn't find you on like Apple iTunes. And then I looked up Excel and death before dishonor. And all of a sudden you pop up. I'm like, what? That's how easy it was. I don't know why I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. And you got all the new stuff, but your, your newest stuff, or I guess uh, is uh, Excel's innovation. Is that the newest material that you got yeah, on right now? I just put that album out in October. Man, yeah. it's good. Your voice is really awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, those songs, that, that whole album, uh, Dynamics of Relation, is a uh, uh, it's it's predominantly about my wife who's just walking walking by right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's pre yeah. predominantly about her. Or and and, and then uh, songs I wrote before I met my wife were kind of about uh, I guess I'd say the type of woman. Uh, you know, I married the woman that I wrote songs to. You know, and um, and, uh, and then of course throughout our marriage, I have a bunch of songs I wrote about my wife and. When I, I write, writing for me, that's my outlet. I have never written songs for people to like. I, I wrote them because I liked it, because I, I wrote about something I wanted to talk about. And it wasn't ever really trying to, how can I make a hit? Because I, I wasn't trying to make hits. I just was writing about what was on my heart. And so I wrote a bunch of songs um, about my wife that, you know, you tell some are, are pretty brutal. It's just, it's like... You know, it's a kind of song that someone would write to, to someone that they broke up with and they're sick of, you know, they're, th th this is my ex and here's a song I wrote about my ex, you know. I, I <laughs> we're, still songs while, <laughs> we're still trying to work out our relationship, but I wrote a song as if we're done, you know. So, it sounds like it's therapeutic for you, though. Well, well, yeah, you know, because, hey, you know, this is how it was at and, you know, how did, we, how did I get past this time? Like, I wrote a song, Angry at You, it's just, man, it's like... I think anyone who's ever been married for more than two years can identify <laughs> with certain parts of that song. Like, how, yeah. how long have you been married? I think I saw you. You've been married for a while. Uh, you say? Twenty-eight years. 
Congrats. That's that's a long time for. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, get good material out of it too. Ups and downs, you know. It is tough. Yeah. Almost, you know, this close to divorces, and you know, but, yeah, we we worked it yeah, out. We all, you know, it's funny. We all we see people from the outside and think, hey, they got it, they got it together. Especially like, oh, it's this Christian artist has it together. He, he knows what he's doing, what he's doing. And I've been married ten years. Before we start recording, I was talking about, hey, my wife's in the other room because. We, you know, she's talking to our, our therapist or whatever counselor. And, uh, you know, we, we've gone through that too. You know, last year was a very rough or 2020 was a very rough year in our marriage. Not to get too personal, but. Well, me and my wife, were, we were split up for 14 months. Wow. 20. <laughs> it's rough, man. It happens to a lot of us. It was horrible. And um, I tell you what, it's like, you know, right when you think things are a certain way, because. We had a separation in 2010 that lasted for about half a year or over a half a year. And then, um, you know, then 10 years of what you think is good. I mean, it was good compared to what had had been. But then it's like there's still stuff that has to be dealt with. And like a lot of times. Well, in marriages, people, they just don't deal with. There's been a lot of sweeping stuff under the rug and just let me learn how to be cordial but it's like there's still stuff that hurts there's there's things that that sting when something gets said you know, I mean, you know how it goes you you can you can be arguing over a, a dish that fell and the next you know it turns into you're talking about something that, you know that happened, happened last year ago. you know yeah. and and so i think you know what me and my wife did is we we got counselors while we were separated we had counselors two separate counselors that we were seeing and we both saw them separately so that the counselors could hear everything I had to say from my heart and everything from her heart. Because sometimes when you counsel together, you're still kind of reserved about what you say, you know. And so I think God helped us strategize that by she was meeting with this counselor separate and this one separate. And so was I. So when they each met with us, they kind of they really had a, a big arsenal of what of how to deal with her and how to deal with me. You know, and we, we did that for over a year while we were separated. We, we were going to counseling. And um, I tell you what, if we hadn't done that, if we hadn't been willing to do that, yeah, this time around, it might not have. Yeah. So, but uh, I learned a lot about thing. myself, man. I learned how jacked up I still am. I mean, as cool as I thought I was and on level, I'm jacked up, I, you know, and, and there's some still a bunch of stuff that God had revealed to me about myself that I just wasn't seeing that, of course, she sees, you know. Your spouse sees the stuff that's jacked up about you. And, right. you know, sometimes it's, do you see it too, though? You know, and, and <clears throat> but when you can, and that's when, you know, you start moving closer to, to this, to the meshing, you know. And uh, that's what happened. We're still working on stuff, you know. But uh, your marriage is always, you always uh-huh. have to continue to grow and work. It's, it's not easy because you feel like you're in a comfort zone as a man. You feel like, yeah. Everything's good, but the woman's thinking something else, and uh, you don't know. And communication is, is such a big thing because you don't have that. You don't know what you know what you need to work on or what it might be. But counseling, it really does help, and it's really helped our our marriage. So anybody out there that might be listening, that might be struggling, and don't know where to turn, that might be an opportunity for you to something to look into because we all go, a lot of us go through it. Absolutely. So but, yeah, that's what that's, yeah. that's what the new album is about. Is, you know, it, about. It's very poppy. It's a very. I don't know if you know who this band is, but when I heard it, this is what it made me think of. It made me think of the 
uh, band Stroke Nine. Did you are you familiar with Stroke Nine? No, I haven't heard of them, but I, I've heard of you know. Well, I've I've heard a few Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters meets somebody or whatever, but I have yes. to check them out. Stroke Nine, they were popular. They had a uh, kind of a hit song called "Little Black Backpack," hmm. and it was around the early 2000s, maybe a 2000. But your voice kind of reminds me of their their uh, singer's voice too. But uh, you, you got a really good voice. It's one of those, not to be like weird sound, but like, yeah, that's a pretty voice. <laughs> yeah, you got <laughs> a pretty thanks, voice, man. boy. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's great. And uh, I know I've seen you play. You got a video out. Uh, also, I saw where you're playing everything from your other album. Yeah. Where you're you're like every yeah. musician. <laughs> Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that that's the uh, yeah from a beginning of closure. Um, yeah, and that song was old. That one I wrote it in 2002, I think, and didn't come out to 2020. A little patience with that song. Yeah. Well, something I did want to go back to. You mentioned to me while uh, we were writing back and forth, but you played drums at a show for Mortal. Was that when you were touring with them? Yeah, that, that was the Moral Crucified Applehead XL DVD tour. And um, yeah, just, you know, after being on the road, I, I sat in with them when I played drums for them one night. Uh, the, their drummer, Dexter, Dexter Poindexter, sat down for a night. And then, uh, but for the whole tour, I got to play guitar with Applehead with Greg Manier, and that was cool. I was. I don't remember that band. I, don't, I can't it, remember it's, that. It's, it's Greg Manier from the Crucified. He put out some songs. Oh, okay. Called out. Right. Yeah, when you get a chance to check it, it's good stuff. Yeah, I'll have to look them up. Uh, it's just, go back it's and rock. check it out. You know, it's 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 like hard rock, so it's not it's not in the vein of the crucified and Greg singing. So yeah, that's uh, I got to I got to play the guitar for that whole tour. So for him. Now, uh, something else you mentioned that I want to ask about is, uh, and, and I was kind of mentioned them earlier because you were talking about rock artists and Christian rappers working together. This guy, his band bride did do a song, a cover song of, uh, God gave rock and roll to you, which, what was the artist he worked with on that song? Do you remember? Did he worked on with it? Yeah. Do you remember the cover bride? I do. A, I do. I, know the rap group. Stuff, I, don't, I don't remember who it was. I can't either. I can't, uh, cause it's been so long since I've heard it, but you are, doing a project with Dale Thompson, lead singer yes, of Pride, yeah, and yeah. Uh, tell me about that. Man, dude, I, I think it's going to be killer. Um, I'm, I'm so anxious for it, and right now we're waiting for <clears throat> Matt, the same guy that put out my last five records. Is it five? Four. Five. One, two, three, four. Four. <laughs> That's what yeah, I okay. This will be go. five now. <clears throat> He's He's mixing the mastery, and this time we're doing it from afar. I'm just letting him do the mixing mastery. He's, he's great. Yeah, he's uh, but, Dell. Dell's up what New Zealand. Yeah, Dell's in New Zealand, so he's sending me all his vocals from over there. Um, what happened was in in 2020, April of 2020, I just approached him. You know, we'd been Facebook friends for a while. Um, I think he's familiar with XLGBD prior to that, um, and I just approached him and said, "Hey, man." You want to do a project with me? And he says, well, what do you got? 
you know, and so I sent him some rinky dink demo. I said, here, this is, I did this on my four track. I go, but here's, here's a song, this kind of styles I'm looking, you know, he said, he says, I like it. He's like, send me some more and I'll start writing. Now in 2020 though, that's when I said things were as a train wreck for me and right. uh, everything just went down. It, it wasn't the right time for me. And plus I was trying to acquire, uh, you know, <clears throat> get my studio equipment worked on and stuff and, so all that year until September of 2021, so almost a year and a half later, I approached him again. I said, hey, I got my stuff. I'm ready to go. Um, you still want to do a project? And he's like, send me the stuff. I go, dude, I'll have, I'll have three songs to you next week. You know, <laughs> and uh, I just sent I sent him the songs. He sent back. He goes, dude, this is great. This is great stuff. You know, so. um. 12 songs that I wrote, some of them were songs I had done years ago and had my own lyrics to it. But I was like, you know, nothing was nothing happening with these songs. So I was like, well, let me just use the music and the Dale sing to it, you know. And man, he is so fast. <laughs> I mean, as soon as I'd send the song, I think later, a few hours later, he'd have it back to me recorded, you know, wow. with the harmonies and, you know. And so that's how it went. And now we're. uh yeah, we're just waiting for the final mixes well, to be done. Is that what is that title or the uh, is there a band or what what's that gonna at, be a label? Reconciled. Reconciled. That's what we're called. The Reconciled and the album is called Skin and Bones. Okay. And I'm not sure on it's gonna be coming out soon. I probably it, at this point, probably maybe early February, I guess. Um uh, are you sharing vocals with it, vocal duties? No, or is no, it no, no, no. Just, just uh, totally him. Just, Two songs I might I do a little bit of background on, like just some background yells and stuff on a couple of them. <clears throat> but it's he's a vocalist, I'm a musician. That's how it is. I'll be really interested in hearing that. When it comes out, where can people find it at? Uh, they'll be able to get it from Rocks Records, and then also you know we'll we'll have it up on digital platforms. But if they want to get the hard seat, the hard CD, that's from Rocks Records. And yeah. uh, you know I'm actually gonna uh, Bill Rocks right. Yeah, um, Bill Rocks. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, uh, been talks with uh, having him on the show too, so maybe that's something he could discuss uh, once yeah. I have him on as a guest. Yeah, so, so um, cool. yeah, we're glad that, that uh, Rocks picked it up and wants to do something with it. I think people are going to be just, I, me and Dell both think people are going to love it. We think oh, they're going to really I, like I it. Imagine. Yeah, and, I'm looking forward to that. You know, so I don't know if anything, I don't know if this will lead to a Reconciled 2 album. Yeah. Right? You know, if if it goes well, then maybe in Dell, if Dell wants to, then, you know, it'd be great to do something again for next year. Well, let me, uh, I'm going to close it up here in just a second. So I got a couple more things I want to ask you if, you, if you don't mind. Uh, sure, sure. What is the future with your with your music just continuing what you're doing exploring working with other artists and and kind of in the same thing <laughs> you are working with del thompson you worked with uh, rex carroll oz fox yeah. all these other artists uh, besides what's in line for the future is there any other artists you would like to work with that you have not well yeah man i want to work with all of them yeah <laughs> um i don't know you know i, I think i I I'd asked Blood uh, Michael Bloodgood last year, um, or not last year, but when I was putting out uh, the beginning of closure, I'd asked Michael Bloodgood. I asked him kind of late, 
if he could play on it. And he he accepted, but he was really busy at that time. And I think his his father was was getting ready to pass or or had passed. It was it just timing was horrible. But I might you know I might maybe ask him again if he's willing to play you know do something with me. Um, uh, who else was I thinking about doing something with? I'd really love to do something with Mark Solomon, but I don't I don't know if he ever would. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. As I think about it, you know, uh, uh, Dennis Chambers. I mean, uh, oh, not, yeah. um, not Dennis. Is it Dennis Chambers? Talking about Chamberlain. from uh, Angelica. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Dennis Chambers. I thought was. Uh, oh man, I'm going blank now. I might, uh, be, I might be having this wrong last name. Let me see. <clears throat> I just actually learned are this you, name uh, just just a few just a few weeks back. A friend of mine. Said, how come you don't do something with, with Dennis? And I'm like, well, who, who are you talking about? What is what is he up to these days? Those guys like from Angelica. Do you do you have connection with those guys or? I don't, but a friend of mine does, and he in uh, Dennis Cameron at Chambers. Dennis Chambers is a drummer. For, yeah, he's the drummer for uh, Dave Matthews Band, I think. He, he's he's yes, Dennis Dennis Cameron. Okay. And he's uh he put out the solo stuff. Um, let me see here. I don't, I don't know what it's called. It's called. Uh, I know those artists. I'm trying to get them. Yeah. I got it right here, cause uh, I'm not I'm not gonna play in your show, but. Um, <laughs> Too late now. Dang it, that's the wrong one. Oh well, Den- Dennis Cameron put out some. Uh, oh, there it is. It's called. I don't even know how to say this. Tetelestal. Tetelestal. <laughs> oh man. No, no, oh, that's uh, the song. So he's just he's just out as Dennis Cameron. Where, where's that so, at? Some Where crazy find that? stuff. <clears throat> Is that on Apple iTunes or Spotify? YouTube, YouTube. Oh, YouTube. Uh, Dennis Cameron. This song called Tetelesto. Yeah, I did pass the tire. But anyway, yeah, some of his solo stuff is just killer. Check that out. I started kind of making a big playlist of all these guys like Angelica, Saint, Zion. Uh, you know, all this old school. This is why I wanted to do this show to see where these guys are at. You know, a lot of guys, people don't know where they're up to anymore. And uh, I really hope this show grows and people will rekindle that interest in an artist like you. Maybe they haven't heard in a while, yeah. kind of like I'm doing by talking to you because I haven't I don't know what you've been up to. And, and uh, you know, I'm hoping to put together a band. I want I want to get in a band. I want. What, I want to be. Where are you located at right now, then? Right. I'm in North Carolina right now. I'm. Uh, okay. I figure we're on Charlotte. the same, same uh, Eastern Standard Time. It seemed like so. I figure you must have been. I was going to say you must be in Nashville or something, but. Uh, now, I didn't do the Nashville thing, but I, you know I started from the West, went to the Midwest, and closed yeah, it off moving. in the East Coast. You'll be living in the ocean here soon. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Yeah, hey, oh, I know this guy. This one guy is a drummer. <laughs> is that you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I, right. I, I, I have to pass along some of my uh, videos of me messing around or a song I record. I could send you uh, the people listening right now, like, who gives a flip? <laughs> uh, I, I'll, uh, on uh, Facebook, I'll send you a DM with a song yeah. that my band, my old band got together and recorded a new song. I have to send that one to you. Yeah, uh, send, send me what you got, man. Send you some stuff. I don't really expect you to be like, yeah, this guy's going to be the He wants to be my drummer. But it's always fun to show your stuff, uh, you know, show stuff to other musicians that you grew up respecting and uh, 
to get a good word from them. Or if you just think it sucks, you could just be like, yeah, yeah, that sucked, buddy. Sorry. Um, I, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you honestly. You be truthful, man. It's okay. Uh, anything else coming up? Anything you want to promote uh, before we uh, close out the show? Because before we close out the show, I want to ask you a kind of off the wall questions that uh, it's. You'll see what I'm talking about. I asked Luke Easter some of these questions, so and, and I asked one of the questions to the Brave. Um, but anything you want to add before we close out? I, I would just say, oh. you know, if, if you're seeing this interview, you know, check out my stuff. Check out XL and Death Before Dishonors, uh, every album that you can, and then uh, XL's Innovation that just came out. I'm I'm really proud of that. Um, very good. Very I had to tell people, hey, you know, for those of you who know me, for the metal I put out, this is not, that's not what this is, you know. But, um, it's kind of uh, like that poppy, uh, pop yeah, alternative pop rock, rock you know? whatever you want to call it. It's just, I mean, it rocks, but it's, it's pop, you know. I mean, the drummer's playing like he's in a metal band. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, and then uh, make sure to be checking out for the, look for the Reconcile. That's, uh, that's me, XL, and, and uh, the infamous Dell Thompson from Bride on yeah, all locals. Sure. Yeah, it's just some good stuff. I'm I'm really eager for people to hear it. I'm like, damn, I want people to hear this stuff because it's good. Do yeah. you prefer people trying to get with you on Facebook or Twitter or anything, or do do you, are you, you know, just like, hey, Facebook the most? I have a Twitter account and I have an Instagram account, but I just mostly do Facebook. I don't know why. Yeah. And you're under Todd Stevens under there, so yeah, Todd Stevens. I think I think I have XL the original in parentheses, maybe, or because people couldn't find me for the longest time. But I, I well, mean, that's why I wrote you originally. I said, "Is this the XL from yeah. the Heaven's Metal magazine?" You're like, "Yeah." Uh, so I would just put my name as that. I don't know, maybe. More well, it'd be even more confusing because you told before we start recording, folks. Uh, he told me the reason he had the name XL was because he was about a hundred pounds bigger. Yeah. Than he is now. He's a he's a very fit man now, and uh, I was wondering, are we gonna have to call? We're gonna have to call you just M for medium now. Yeah, we could go with L. Yeah. <laughs> L. Yeah. You might, I don't know. Yeah. You might be like medium L. But yeah. uh, okay, so I got a I'm like, uh, like five questions. If they don't relate to you, you don't have to answer them. They're just kind All of right. fun, off the wall, get to know you questions. The first one: What is your favorite movie? Oh, Forrest Gump. All right. Yeah, that's a great movie. Forrest Gump, I think, is the best movie ever made. Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone has a valid argument against that, but I think oh, it's one Gump. of my favorites too. Yeah, it's, it's Forrest hard. Gump with the with Matrix coming in a strong second. What did you think about the new Matrix movie? I haven't seen it yet. I, I, I liked get it. To that. I watched it. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, Matrix. And then third place would be um, Braveheart. Yeah, that's another good one. There, not the Goonies. The, the Goonies is the one? Uh, not one of my favorites. So uh, my wife likes Goonies a lot. But, um. All right, here's another one kind of related to uh, movies. or could be television shows, but uh, what have you been binge watching lately? Or <laughs> if you've had time. <clears throat> excuse me me and my wife are watching alias again right now we uh i've been going to the library and got the old alias with the uh yeah Hunter. i never watched that one 
Oh man, it's, it's good. It's good. So we we just finished up the first season because you know we got got the the disc, so we can just you know watch it and move to the next one. And so we're on season two of Anus right now. Um, and then also with the kids, with the whole family, we we just finished up the Hobbit, and then uh, Lord of Rings before that. We watched right. the whole, you know the the trilogy of each of those. Um. And we're probably going to go to Pirates of the Caribbean and watch all the Pirates of the Caribbean. But me and my wife are exclusively we're watching Alias right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nothing nothing new really then for the uh, binge watching stuff out there? No, nah, I'm not watching it. Not, not a new series. What We were watching. Um, we just got through watching this series. And what was it? What series we just got through watching, Cheryl? What did we watch on TV? A series we just got through watching. <laughs> she forgot. I forgot too. Oh man. Oh, that's all right. We can move on to the next question. What was then. it? Dang it! You know because it, it ended and we're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> You've already moved on, so you already forgot. All uh, right. Let's see. Uh, favorite band of all time. Oh man. <laughs> Favorite band of all time. Cuz the next one's going to be greatest singer. So I'd have to say just say. like if I had to just quickly thought of favorite band of it had to be Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin is probably my favorite band not of Kiss. all time. No, not anymore. Kiss is yeah. uh, Kiss makes the top 10 for favorite bands of all time. Or we see. That's a Tom Allen delivery. A semi turned into him. Oh my God! Power out from his delivery. That's jacked up. A friend of mine got into an accident. He's all right. Yeah, all right. All right. I'll check that out. Okay. Real uh, life happening here on the show. Can I give? Can I give you like the top five bands? Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's totally fine. I, it's tough. Okay, so I'd say I'd say Led Zeppelin is probably in there. You know, it doesn't get much better than Led Zeppelin. I mean, I. I don't listen to them all the time anymore, but it's like Led Zeppelin, King's X. King's X has, is probably in second place for favorite bands of all time. Um, gee whiz, man, that's that that's just a tough question because I like so much music, it's hard to. Barbara uh, Streisand. I stick under my head. I'm gonna say Iron Maiden. Okay, yeah, great one. Who's third? Iron Maiden. Um, man, the Motley Crue's first two albums, it was hard to get them off, off of me. It's about Too Fast for Love and Shout Out the Devil. Yeah, man, like, to, to me, that, that's just, that's cool. So I was nine years old when I got uh, Too Fast for Love, and I, I got oh, it wow. before, before it was on Electra. It was a leather record or something like that. Yeah, one of the, with the crotch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the leather I, I love, I love Motley Crue. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Have you ever seen them in concert? Man, I never, I never saw them in concert. Believe it or not. I never I, have oh, either. I, I don't throw an oddball in there. Missing persons. Yeah, that is an oddball one. Terry Bozio. Terry Bozio, man. Um, oh, he was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah Terry Bozio, is... man. Missing persons, man. Uh, I grew up on them. All my favorite bands are bands from when I was a kid. I mean, there's a there's so many good new bands out too. It's just like uh, problem is that radio or whoever it is, 
they won't play the new music. They just keep playing the old same crap. Yeah, I like Jesus Priest hard. a lot too. <laughs> yeah, like, you like a lot, but that's cool. I, I'm down with that. It's hard to make those de- de- decisions, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I'd sit here and go, well, Striper's my favorite band, and then Queen is my other favorite band. I uh, see in this, see the Queen, you know, like yeah, you know. David Bowie. I love and, David Bowie. I mean, it's yeah, hard. It's I don't, hard. I don't really have a favorite band. I haven't for a long time, but like just favorite band of all time. It's like. I think Led Zeppelin stuck with me the longest out of yeah. any band of just liking their their stuff, you know. Who influenced you the most from them? Bonham. Yeah, man. I mean, Bonham and Page. You know, Bonham and Page. Uh, yeah. Nobody in the pocket like Bonham. Just right. Nobody carried a groove like Bonham. And then, uh, man, Jimmy Page the the best sloppy guitar player in the world he's he's sloppy but it's it's, it's wonderful i mean i i like that about page because he's doing some crazy good stuff but it's not like it's not polished and perfect you know and uh i like how even on like on uh what's that song um uh is it uh the rover he even plays a bad note and they just leave it. I liked it like <laughs> I like so like it's like okay. So uh who's the greatest singer ever? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. Who's the greatest singer ever? <laughs> Who is your greatest singer ever, I guess I should say. There's so many dang good singers. I you know, I'd have to say, you know. For the era that it came out with and how far it stretched into, I, I'd, I'd say Robert Plant was probably a greatest singer. But then, you know, Rob Halford, you know, can't, you, you know. Yeah, he came up with some new there. Freddie Mercury. Yeah, Freddie's my guy, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeez, there's just so many dang good singers. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, definitely. Uh, you, know, uh, be, you know, before... I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Doug Pennant kind of damaged his voice along the way, but Doug Pennant, man, on Out of Sight of the Planet, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska, Faith, Hope, Love, just a phenomenal voice, man. You know, before they started having the tune way down, before King's X had started tuned down, those first three albums, his vocals are just Superb. So he's probably be in my top five for greatest singers, Doug Panic. All right. Here's the final question of these. If you could see one concert from any band that's ever existed, and I'm talking about from any time, who are you going <laughs> to pick? What concert do you want to see from all time? You could see one concert, you know. What band are you picking? All, all original members or whatever it might be or what, you know. That is such a hard question, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, who would it be? You know, like Stacy from the Brave, he picked the Beatles back in their day, and you know, man, I'm gonna go back to 1977, and I'm gonna go see the Kiss Alive tour too. <laughs> Digging that one. Kiss Alive too. Someone, I think someone else did say that. Maybe it was one of the Brave guys that said seeing Kiss back in the '70s. I, I that I. 
I never liked the band more than Kiss. So I probably should have put them in there, but you know, I was a kid. But I like them. Like I remember some sometime uh one of somebody asked me, it's like, hey, if Gene Simmons got into a fight with Superman, who's gonna win? I'm like, Gene Simmons, <laughs> Gene Simmons yeah. Gene Simmons, man. <laughs> he breathes fire, so you can do it. <laughs> Who was uh your favorite guitarist from KISS? Oh, Ace. Ace for the A, you know. Ace, I, man, I like his solos. You know, he, he he's never, he's not, you know, it's nothing mind-blowing, but it's just, I like I like the notes he uses, you know, and how Ace would solo, you know. I've been on big Vinnie Vincent uh, venture right now, so I've been listening to the Vinnie Vincent Invasion uh, albums came out, you know, with... Uh, Really, I mean, the first one, it's, it's crazy because it wasn't Mark Slaughter singing on there. It was the other guy. I can't remember his name. It was with Journey. And I just read a book from Bobby Rock, the big muscled-up guy that played drums for them. And he's play, played with uh, uh, oh, uh, the Twin Brothers, uh, the Nelson Brothers. Mm. And he plays with Lita Ford now. But he wrote a book just about that time being with Vinnie Vincent Invasion. It's a really good book. Mm. Uh, just uh, pretty interesting about that whole process but not familiar uh, with it. yeah he was a dang good singer too deal oh yeah mm-hmm. i've been listening to a lot of uh podcasts late recently and i've uh vinnie uh, uh a pc or however he wants to call yeah. his name because his brother carmine says a piece uh, <laughs> uh both great drummers uh, i like vinnie a little better yeah, Vinny's played with a lot of bands I would probably say I like I would rather listen to as Carmine's played with like Rod Stewart. Vinny's played with you know uh D or not Dio, but uh I mean it was Black Sabbath with Dio. And he's also played with Ozzy. Yeah, that's, so. that's uh those two albums, man, those those are also my two favorite Black Sabbath albums. Uh, with Dio. Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. Yeah, I was listening to Mob Mob Rules today, actually, so well, man, I, I really enjoy our, our chat. I was worried how it was going to go because I know I was like, I think I might be getting on his nerves. Oh, no, <laughs> trying to ask you, no, trying no. to ask you to come on. So it's all and, good, man. I, course, I appreciate you asking me and appreciate uh, you, you taking the time to to talk with me. Yeah, no problem. I, anything I can do for you, trust me. I, I'll 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 uh, do my best. I'm gonna close out the song. You chose the song. Which song was it again? Uh, oh, this song is uh, You Just Stay Beautiful is how I chose good. to end the album of all of my emotions and thoughts about my wife with this token song of You Just Stay Beautiful. Song.